Kia ora everyone, welcome to CIO Leadership Live New Zealand. My guest today is Sam Daish, Chief Technology Officer at Black Pearl Group. Sam has held a number of technology leadership roles at well-known New Zealand startups, including Curious, which was bought by Spark and Zero. Hi Sam, lovely to meet you. Hey Kathy, hey everyone, thanks so much for having me. Really great, great, to great to have you on CIO Leadership Live today. Um, so let's get into it. Tell us, um, give us a brief history of your career to date and, and how did you get your start in IT? Yeah, I have a probably a fairly unusual background for someone who's a CTO at the moment. So my original career was actually in teaching. So uh, I trained as a secondary school teacher, but didn't do that for very long at all. The hours are too long and the workload's too high. Um, the students, awesome. So I loved that side of it. But from there, uh, I joined uh, National Bank at that time in human resources and then got moved to their strategic planning function um, and there moved to the UK and got involved with Ernst Young and KPMG and then moved to a private equity firm. Uh, and the private equity firm is where I first did some machine learning and ran their technology function and then had a baby daughter. And so I wanted to come back to New Zealand and worked for Kiwi Bank as effectively their CIO. I think it was called Enterprise Information or something like that. Then moved to Xero uh, to become GM of Data Innovation. Uh, and then, as you said, moved to Curious to lead the AI function there. Uh, and then moved to Black Pearl. So, um, yeah, I do not have a computer science degree. I'm not a doctor in mathematics or anything like that, but I hope that what I bring is a real kind of person and human-focused um, approach to technology and also, you know, importantly for, for CIOs and other, you know, audience out there, uh, strategic perspective. So, you know, I really got into this from a strategic um, you know, angle rather than fingers on keyboards coding uh, the latest application or anything like that. Um, very interesting career trajectory there. And I love that, you know, you started out in teaching and then made your way in, in, into technology through that route. And it is quite interesting speaking to a number of CIOs who have actually had quite a few different pathways into IT. So you're not alone. I've spoken to a few who started out in the police force, um, economics, marketing, finance, and ended up in IT. Great that you have those different perspectives there. So look, Black Pearl Group is a relatively new addition to New Zealand startup scene. So can you give us a bit more um, background on you know, its purpose and who you're targeting with your products? Yeah, so Black Pearl is all about delivering growth through data and AI and technology to small, medium-sized businesses. So, uh, and we're, we're focused on the US market. So for us, a small, medium-sized business is, you know, anyone up to a thousand people. So in the New Zealand context, reasonably large. But yeah, we really try to have our data and our technology have a direct line to growth. So there's no kind of fuzzy metrics about it. You can very clearly see that 
my sales team are using this to make more sales, um, or I can see how this is adding to my top line. Um, and so that's where we're focused. That's where our products are focused. That's where our technology is focused. Um, that's where our data is focused. So as a CTO then, you know, you delved into a little bit of it there, but you know, how are you really and, and the rest of the team enabling that mission? You know, what, what I love about working for a smaller company like Black Pearl, although definitely had this at Zero and Kiwi Bank as well, is really starting with the customer um, and everything flows from there. Um, and so at Kiwi Bank, you know, you have a very clear vision of making New Zealand a more prosperous place and being a New Zealand-owned bank and, you know, have a real focus there. Zero had a really clear focus on, you know, making accounting uh, painless or even joyful um, for your, your small business who did not get into business to do accounting um, and making a wonderful tool for accountants. And so at Black Pearl, I really try and bring all of that experience around that customer focus and make that the starting point of our technology. So, you know, what data does a small business owner or a sales leader or a marketing leader need uh, to help grow their business? How do they want to interact with that? Um, and what tools do they want to integrate with? Because, uh, you know, as we know, technology is an enormous space and there's lots of tools out there. And sometimes you just want something to plug into something else that, that you use. And so from a technology perspective, holding the customer in mind, holding some good outcomes for our shareholders in mind, and then how can technology enable that to happen? Um, and you can come up with quite a few, you know, innovative ways of approaching that problem. So I'm sure like everyone who's listening, you know, AI is a big part of our focus at the moment. Um, and that, that enables a lot of simplicity for an end user. It enables a lot of, um, work to be done behind the scenes and then have a really nice, joyful to use, simple interface for a user. So I guess what, what I and my team try to bring to Black Pearl is that experience and technology, but applying that to very clear business problems or business opportunities and the problems that customers are facing day in and day out. Um, so I don't, I don't think, you know, the team is unusual in that way. I, I think a lot of technology firms would um, describe themselves as taking that approach. And what I like about Black Pearl and the size that we are is that there's, there's no line really between us and the customers. So, you know, I am interacting with customers every day um, and a bunch of my team are interacting with customers every day. Um, and so that gives you a nice insight into it, actually what is working for them. What I thought was super simple, they thought was slightly confusing and difficult. And, you know, what, what I regard as confusing and difficult, you know, they regard as being very clear cut. Um, so, yeah, getting as close to the customer as possible is really 
what I push the team to do or lead the team to do, and then applying their incredible expertise um, in relation to that. So given what you've just said there, it sounds like, and you know, as CTO that you really have um, a, a role in influencing the organization. And I, ex- I expect the wider leadership team as well. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, I'm, I'm super lucky because um, I guess maybe as my background indicates, I, I'm interested in lots and lots of things. So I'm, a, I'm lucky enough to be a genuinely kind of curious person about stuff. And so being CTO at a company like Black Pearl, I get involved in all of the technology stuff, obviously, but also thinking about how do we resource the entire organization? Um, what does our go-to-market product strategy look like? Um, you know, I, I even take a look at the ads and the marketing that we've got in. What's the customer onboarding process? Uh, how do we price stuff? Um, how are we going to talk to investors? Um, so I'm, I'm really fortunate that uh, for me, I get to play. I get to have so many fingers and so many pies um, and apply some of that experience I've got through working at Zero and Kiwi Bank and private equity and consulting firms and professional services firms. I think all of that provides useful battle scars uh, that you can draw on uh, about things that you've messed up in the past uh, that you don't want to repeat. Um, So, yeah, so it's a very broad role I have. Um, You know, yeah, I'm very, very fortunate. And, of course, um, you know, with that focus on the U.S., I I know that you have an IT team that's based in, in various places around the world. And um, so can you talk to us a bit about, you know, the challenges of, of having an IT team spread across the world and, and what are those challenges and what are the benefits? Yeah, it's a common situation now eh, to, to have teams uh, distributed across the globe. Um, and so I'm always really interested in other people's experiences with that as well. And I try to um, touch base with as many people that are uh, in this situation so I think the, the main thing for us is to not think of the teams as being outsourced, but rather uh, they are fully part of the team, just in a different location. And so, you know, we have some of the team here in Wellington. We have some of them in New Plymouth. We have some of them in Dubai, we have some of them in India, and we have some of them in the US. And so there is no difference between those teams. None of them are outsourced teams. They are all just in a different location. But to make that like real rather than just an airy fairy comment, I think the some of the tricks or tips that I've had and that we are carried through on is about time zones. So time zones are difficult, um, or they present an opportunity depending on what you're trying to achieve. So if you're trying to achieve a 24-7 operational coverage, then having people in different time zones is actually super helpful because someone doesn't have to get up at 3 a.m. to to, restart something. 
And then if you're in that situation, what you really need is some very clear processes so that everyone approaches the problem in the same way for the same problem and some very clear escalation so that if they do get into an area where it's outside their knowledge, they know who to draw on. So it can be a real advantage from, from that perspective. And I think looking at it as an advantage is the right mindset to get into. Then if you've got more of a product team where you're really trying to you know, generate lots of ideas and having lots of co-working and working on the same problems at the same time, where possible, try to align the working hours or at least have, you know, three hours where everyone is online at the same time and can have a conversation like this rather than just relying on email or Slack or, you know, whatever your messaging platform of choice is. And you probably need to over-communicate. So, you know, whereas you might just be able to swap some ideas at the office, you actually need to write those out so that everyone is on the same page. Um, one of the habits that we have got into is using... Uh, video recordings more than I ever have done before. So rather than trying to write down everything that you want to communicate, actually do a three-minute video um, just like this. And that allows you to capture that tone of voice that you don't get on a written format. It allows you to see facial expressions, you know, for someone to know when you're having a laugh, you know, when you're being a bit sarcastic or ironic, which which may not come across, you know, in, in an email or a Slack message. So, yeah, the, the shared working times and where you need to communicate outside those shared working times using a variety of mediums, like voice, video, writing stuff down. Uh, we use a lot of... Um, uh, we use Miro a lot for uh, mapping out a process and people being able to comment on it um, asynchronously. But I think at the heart of it is really a mindset around how do you think about people that are not working in the same place as you? you know, do you regard them as a fully-fledged member of your team or do you regard them as someone who is working in a different way somewhere else. Yeah, um, absolutely. And look, how do you attract talent then? You know, given that Black Pearl, it is a startup, you know, it's not a household name yet, although, you know, given that you've worked at, at places like Zero and Curious, <laughs> it may be a, a household name in the, in the next few years. So how do you attract talent when it is not a well-known known organization? Yeah, the easiest way is through a personal network like that. That is by far the most effective and, and the easiest. Um, so, you know, I work with a guy, David Hunt. Uh, he's a contractor with us who I used to work at Zero. you know, with. Uh, and there's a few other people like that. Um, where we've had the most successful hires is where it's a personal recommendation from either someone we've worked with in the past or someone that's currently in the team. Um, so that that's the easiest, that's the most effective. If you could do that every time, that, that would be brilliant. Um, but, you know, in New Zealand, we get a lot of success just through straight advertising. Like, I think as long as you 
articulate the opportunity that you've got, um, people will respond to that opportunity if it's something that they want to get involved in. Um, and I think technology is one of those spaces that not being a household name is maybe an, an, an advantage. Like if, if it feels like and you are doing something that's a bit different, that's a bit new, you know, that that is attractive to many people. And many people want to be part of the startup vibe Right. Absolutely. So just 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 on that, then, you know, New Zealand is has some very well-known startups that have, um, you know, that are household names. And indeed, you've worked at many of them. So do you think it's a good place um, in terms of supporting startups? And if, if not, you know, is there anything that can be done better? Yeah, I, I think yes and no. So I think the the advantages we've got there's some amazing people here. Like, you know, there are really smart people with really good experience who are really well connected and um, know how to take an idea and turn it into something that is a, a viable business or at least is worth a shot. And Wellington is small enough that there are a lot of networks and interconnections where you can draw on these ideas. And I think as New Zealanders, we're quite willing to share our ideas and our experience. And so it's not hard to, you know, ping someone and say, could we catch up for a cup of coffee and, and have a chat and can I bounce this idea off you? So I think that's a, that's a real advantage when it comes to testing an idea. I think it's hard to raise money in New Zealand at the moment. Um, so, you know, if you're looking for that seed capital, that, that can make it difficult. And I think one of the other things that um, New Zealand makes a little bit difficult is I think our larger enterprises who have the money to buy these startup products and services and our government departments tend to opt for the known name and that tends to be an incumbent and that tends to be an overseas provider. And so, you know, it just feels safe to go with some of those bigger names, those well-established names, whereas there could be a huge benefit of working with a startup who's willing to adapt their processes and their product and their services and work super hard for you as an enterprise and man there is so much um open tech and as a service tech uh, out there that like you're not using lower grade technology or anything like that from these startups often it's the best often it's the most innovative the most leading edge that some of the incumbents haven't kind of quite got around to turning into a product yet so, so, yeah, there's some incredible advantages, you know, around the people, the connections, the talent, the, the mindset, the culture. But then there are some difficult things around raising money and get, if you're focused on the enterprise, getting the attention of those larger enterprise customers can be can be hard. Mm, mm. Now, you mentioned culture there. And of course, you know, startup culture is, you know, something that attracts a lot of people to, to work for uh, for a startup. 
But what's that trans- transition like when when a startup starts scaling and becomes a big player like Zero now is? Do you lose some of that startup culture and not knowing you know people by first name? And and how how, how do you plan to hang on to that as you grow at Black Pearl? Yeah, yeah, it's a, and there's some good things about moving to enterprise kind of scale, right? Um, you know, there is some some additional robustness, and maybe you know you you're able to ge- use a bit of time to to establish processes around how to do stuff, which makes onboarding people easier. And so there's some of that stuff that as you grow, you want to embrace, like some of the good stuff you want to embrace. I think that the main thing that I hear and probably I've experienced, I guess, around um, a larger organization versus a startup is simply the pace of decision making. Like the the more layers there are in an organization, the more information gets lost as you move between layers. And that makes it harder for everyone to make a good decision and it makes it easier to oh rather than make a decision I'll ask a question which then has to go through several layers before you kind of get an answer so I think you know the the trick really to capturing that kind of startup spirit and energy and momentum is keeping organizations super flat you know as flat as possible and having very direct lines of communication um, rather than having barriers to communication. So, you know, and, and that mean and that's everywhere. So, you know, uh, a developer should feel completely comfortable talking to the CEO, and the CEO should feel very comfortable talking to a, a developer in this case. I think one of the good examples that I've experienced um, of that is when I first joined Zero. Um, there were these things called rod bombs where Rod Jury would swing by your desk, ask you what you're working on, you know, show me something cool, and then fire three ideas at you about, you know, what you should do differently. And sometimes that's like super uncomfortable, you know, and some people hate that. But the the amazing thing about it is, you know, the, the CEO of this big company understood what you were working on in, in that moment, had some ideas about it, which could be bad or could be, you know, game-changing. But in either way, there's an exchange of ideas and information. And so I think that's that's the kind of thing that happens naturally in a small organisation and is hard in a big organisation. And simply, uh, you know, you need to get out there and have conversations with people and not, you know, fall into this um, layers of communication uh, trap. Mm, absolutely. Uh, that, that my, my 10 cents on So look, AI has very much been the buzzword of 2023, yeah. you know, even though it's been around for a long time. And of course, you've worked in AI roles for many years. So mm. um Keen to get your thoughts on how you see it evolving and, you know, is it that productivity silver bullet the companies have been looking for? And is there anything you think CIO should be cautious about when it comes to AI? Yeah, it's exploded, hasn't it? It's really exploded into the the public consciousness. Um, 
And yeah, I was lucky enough to be involved in what we called a machine learning back then, um, which, you know, different kind of AI um, in 2010 um, or 2008. So, you know, at a private equity firm where we were trying to identify the really relevant news stories to the targets that we were going after and surface those up. Um, and summarize all of that information. So, yeah, I'm kind of lucky in that I've been living in the AI world for, you know, um, 10 years. Um, so I can understand how challenging it might be for someone that is just being asked to look at it. So it is radically different, right? The, the difference between um, pre-chat GPT, if you like, is the most recognizable, and post-chat GPT is truly different, like it is truly a different world, and uh, people shouldn't downplay the difference. One of the differences is the ease of using the tool. So previously to build a tool like that or use a tool like that, you know, you had to have be a developer in some way or a technologist in some way. And now, you know, it's a text field, you know, and everyone can type into a text field or just about everyone can type into a text field. And so it's that power um, that has also radically changed is now freely available to everyone. Uh, and that's the big difference. And so I think, you know, I, like many people and probably almost all, if not all of your listeners, use these tools on, on a daily or at least weekly basis. And it does enhance my productivity. You know, what could have taken me an hour or something, you know, to surf through the net and learn something, ChatGPT can summarize for me, you know, very rapidly. So I think the trick really is trying to work out, well, how am I going to use that for the benefit of my customers? Um, you know, what would make a difference to a one of my customers to be able to use something like that? And what is the difference that I can provide or my company can provide that is not just ChatGPT. So like anyone can sign up for free to ChatGPT. So just surfacing that is not adding any value. What is the difference that I can do around that? Um, and that's where I think you need to bounce around a lot of ideas um, within the team that you have, but also talk to quite a wide range of people uh, to get different perspectives on it. And this is where talking to people that truly understand AI is really beneficial because there's some things that AI is really good at and there's some things that it's not very good at. And often those are slightly counterintuitive, like you think it would be good at something when, when it's not. Um, and so getting a realistic view of that is super useful. But one of my pet peeves, um, you know, is when I was at a large organization and the CEO would say, would come to me and say, hey, I had this presentation from these people and they tell me that we can do this. Um, so we should do that. 
and you, and you kind of go, yeah, in theory they're right. In our situation, there's these there's these problems or these these things that we would need to overcome, but it's been presented in a way that makes it sound just easy and super attractive. And it is super attractive. It's just not as easy as it's been portrayed. Absolutely. Especially so when you, they don't know what, what, what's involved to integrate the flashy thing that's been yeah, presented. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. And, and so it's not that the idea is bad or anything like that, but you need um, some realism in there to understand where your business is today and what differences you can make. And always tied back to a difference for a customer or a difference for a, another stakeholder. So, you know, like one of the projects that I was really excited about, uh, really keen on at Curious, was where we were using machine vision, so computer vision. And there was lots of that. Like we often got asked to produce something, and it was quite easy to produce a proof of concept. But the reason why I liked this one is I was working with a waste management firm who operated landfills and they'd recently had, a, had an incident where someone had seen, I think it was a bicycle in the landfill and decided to jump in the landfill and try and retrieve the bicycle. And there are these enormous you know, earth movers driving around and so they could have got killed. And so identifying when someone was getting too close to that barrier or breaking it, like that is a very clear, you know, benefit that you can solve for the customer and the health and safety and the staff at that site. So it's not just, oh, we should use vision. Mm -hmm. It's actually, we're trying to make the area more safe. How might we do that with AI? So, you know, you'd start with some problems, bring in some people that really know the tech and have a really good free flowing conversation. Um, but yeah, um, this whole large language model space, that ease of the interface is really like, it is literally going to transform businesses. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's so fascinating. We don't know where it will end up, you know, what, what, what it'll look like in this time in 2024. It's, it's uh, going to be a fascinating space to watch. And look, um, Sam, you are also responsible for Black Pearl's IT. And um, so, you know, you spoke earlier about, you know, the flashy presentations and people not really understanding, you know, that yes, in theory, something looks good, but in practice, there's a lot more to consider. So what what do you value then when it comes to dealing with vendors or, or partners for Black Pearl's IT? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. Um, transparency is probably the main thing. You know, like if you can have a nice, transparent, forthright conversation with people, that that lets you know very quickly whether you're in the right space. So, you know, um, I like to share where Black Pearl is at and what we're trying to do and, you know, what challenges we have and where we don't think we have challenges and be pretty open about that, like, you know, not share anything that's, you know, uh, commercially sensitive, you know, because we're listed, so there's various things that you can't talk about, but be as open and honest as you possibly can about what problem it is you're trying to solve. And really push the, the vendor or the person you're working with to be equally transparent about what 
they can help with and what they can't help with. Because if you're on the wrong page about that, it's going to come unstuck at some point and better not to waste everyone's time and effort. You know, you'd like, let's try and get past that. And I've found that, you know, over the long term or the medium or long term, you come back to those transparent and honest and forthright people, even if you go, hey, actually, that's not going to work today. But if you've had a good conversation with them, you keep them in mind and you come back in three months' time or six months' time when you now have that problem, you know, that they were able to solve. So, so much of it is about that honesty and transparency. Um, I have a bit of a preference for uh, New Zealand startups. So where possible, I like to give them first bite of the cherry about solving a problem for me. And I guess that's because as a, as a personal drive, I want to see the New Zealand, um, I want to see New Zealand prosper um, and be an incredible place to grow up and live and work. Um, you know, it's the reason I came back from the UK. It's the reason that we decided to, you know, bring up our daughter here. And I, I just want, you know, that requires companies like Black Pearl to spend money in New Zealand. Um, and that doesn't mean you take a substandard solution. I'm not saying that at all. But, you know, give give New Zealand startups an opportunity to, mm. pitch, you know, and, and say why they can do stuff for you. Absolutely. So look, and as we head into 2024, Sam, what's important for you in the year ahead? Oh, a few things. So uh, on a personal level, um, my daughter starts high school. So, um, you know, that'll be a, a big adaption uh, for me <laughs> and, and our family. Um uh, I'm also uh, determined to up my fitness, so I'm going to spend a bit more time doing that. Uh, and from a business perspective, you know, we are, will be launching an additional AI-powered um, product in Black Pearl, and so um, that requires us to have some uh, new capability and that's really exciting. That gives the team an opportunity to grow and opens up a whole new customer set for us. Um, and we need to be really on point with how customers interact with it and the quality of that uh, AI-powered solution um, that we're going to be providing. And, of course, we need to get the marketing right, the product right, the go-to-market, uh, the customer support, the onboarding, uh, all of that as well. So... It's an exciting time to launch a new product and, uh, you know, 2024 will be a good time for that. Here's hoping. Well, we wish you all the best with it. Sam Daesh, Chief Technology Officer at Black Pearl Group. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Kathy. Really enjoyed it.